Good morning. I'm MDLP. I'm your host. This is the Battle Axe Gym Podcast, episode three, with uh, our producers, of course, Beard Strong. Hello, boys. Hey, guys. Always helping me out because I don't understand technology. Today's co-host and Battle Axe lifter, Felipe Montoya. How's everyone doing? And my host today, who is somebody who's uh, become very close in the last year, in a way, a good friend, a fellow lifter, and also currently a teacher and mentor, Lucas Irwin. Please introduce yourself. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, brother. Um, you want me to go ahead and give a little background? Or? Yeah, well, well let's, let's do this. Let's, um, well, so I'll say something first. Um, Lucas is a gym owner and a business owner, Steelhouse Gym. Um, if you guys haven't heard of them, Steelhouse. It's at Steelhouse too, right? What's that? The, the gym. It's your Instagram? It's at Steelhouse Fitness. Yeah. So look them up. Um, and that's kind of where we became kindred spirits. It's funny how we, we've been around here for quite a while, him much longer than me. But, um, and then recently this year has been very, very interesting. That's PBR, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs> or, one of our sponsors. Nah, just kidding. <laughs> it's never, we'll never get shit. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, and uh, what recently, and I think the main reason why, I mean, we're probably going to get into business talk because we, we will, but mm-hmm. the main reason why I have him on today is because of his mindfulness awareness. And I mean that mindful meditation practice and the science behind it. Um, he recently started, I don't know, I guess you say a new company, a new idea called Rebel Mindfulness, which will get all this information uh, when I post about the podcast and talk about it. Um, but that is what he's going to be introducing himself as. Um, so as we're going to get started, he's really going to, what I really want to hear from you, uh, if you can, mm-hmm. is really on the rebel mindfulness and the, the, why we have you here, a sense of what is mindful meditation. But first of all, um, let me hear a little bit about yourself. Rebel mindfulness, of course, and I mean, it's, it's crazy. You can get into be a powerlifter, coach and everything, and you would think that this is on the other side of the spectrum, but... As you guys hear, it's really not going to be so. And how you got yourself involved to not only mindfulness, but teaching it, traveling and experiencing it. Yeah, so I think we'll, we'll see relatively quickly that it, it applies to everything. I mean, mindfulness is a life practice. It's not a, um, it's not a technique that's specific to any one thing that we do. It has the potential to improve or modify every aspect of our life. So... Um, you know, you touched briefly. I, um, I'll give you a real quick background. I'm originally from upstate New York, uh, very, very small town, 1,500 people when I was there, yeah. you know, graduating class of like 90-something kids. Um, <laughs> Unlike Miami. Yeah. Where exactly. no one graduates. <laughs> yeah, that's your English class. Yeah, like. a UM fan, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, everyone's a UM fan here. Yeah. Um, eventually ended up in um, North Carolina for my undergrad, played some college ball there, and then... Um, Came down to Miami because it seemed like a logical thing to do at 21 years old. Came down, did my master's degree at UM, um, and kind of from there, through a lot of different paths, ended up um, opening up Steelhouse Fitness in 2008, which was a uh, a mental test of itself. February 2008, we're talking peak recession. Great time to open a business, much less one that people consider a luxury item. It is, yeah, right. In a, in a town where it's saturated. Right, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but, it, you know, at that point it was a choice. You know, me and my, my now wife, um, 
we were both kind of in a position where we weren't real happy with where we were going. Um, you know, she was in school. She had gone back to school for something. And um, I had just finished my master's and had job offers, but they were all in, in marketing. And I was just really afraid to go down that path. And we, we both worked at Bally's. Um, you know, I was a trainer there. She was the assistant general manager. We both loved the idea, like so many of us do, of like, man, I'd love to own a gym. Yeah, I'd love to answer to no one. So I was like, you know what? We can scrounge together a few thousand dollars. Um, family helped out a little bit. And then we're still talking like single digit, like thousand dollar budget. And we're like, if we're going to take a chance. Your dad didn't give you a small loan of $1 million? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah go on. I'm a self-made man. Just a small loan. Yeah, no, self-made. <laughs> um, you know, and we, we scrounged it together and um suffered for five years but you know found a way to make it work but you know it was because we started in that recession that it worked Mm -hmm. because we were forced to find another way you know and without going into a lot of it right now we had to come up with a new model and it wouldn't have happened if it started off easy you know Mm -hmm. since then um my path into mindfulness was I, I had dabbled in it a little bit here and there, read a lot of, you know, Eastern philosophy, kind of experimented with some meditation stuff, you know, occasional, once every couple of months or something like that. No idea what the heck I was doing, just taking what I could find off YouTube and thinking I was doing something. Well, yeah, like everybody else on Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then we um, all do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, of course. Me too. Um, but that's how we learned too, yeah. you know. So what happened was my first daughter was born. Um, so she's, she just turned five. My first daughter was born, and within the first couple months, I had a lot of moments where I was starting to realize how unpresent I was. As a business owner, all I was thinking about all the time was work and, okay, tomorrow, and then what can we do for marketing, and then how can I make this better? And it was just grow, 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 let me think, think. And I, was, and I, I couldn't turn it off. Yeah, I think a lot of people what, yeah. don't understand that it's, it's a 24-7, it consumes everything, and you felt it firsthand, right? Oh, yeah, it was, and it was harsh. You know, it's, it's, um, it makes it impossible to sleep. You know, it's, you're not, all your conversations are based around that. It's, and now I have, you know, this beautiful little girl in front of me, and she's doing all this new fun amazing stuff and people are pointing it out and i'm realizing i'm not even seeing it even though i'm two feet away looking right at her when it's happening you know and it's it was an immediate click that okay this isn't gonna last like my time enjoying this is finite and she's gonna turn 18 years old and walk out the house and i'm gonna be like holy shit i missed i missed everything because i had a little bit of experience before i said okay I knew what it was. I knew I, that it was the the feeling of not being present. I couldn't put my attention where I wanted it to be. I couldn't be here. And I, from what I had read and stuff, I was like, okay, there's there are forms of meditation that specifically that's what they're addressing. Let me go back and look at that. Um, you know, so I I started reading again. Um, you know, I think like a lot of people, there was like a the Headspace app and like all this other stuff. I kind of just dove into that, and it was it was a good start. And it, um, the, the benefits felt very tangible really quickly. It's like, okay, there's, there's definitely something to this. And at that point, you know, within a week of doing it, I was like, I'm all in. This is going to be a daily practice. There's, there's not going to be any wavering. I'm going 100%. Because I felt it in other aspects of my life that were completely unrelated to what got me into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So like, okay, let me let me really dive into this, and I did, and I went 100 miles an hour. Um, you know, learned a lot through the process, and it became, you know, probably the most important part of my my health. You know, it, it was touching everything. Over time, people would start to ask, you know, you know, what is this thing that you do? I know you do a little bit of this. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? How should I be met? And all the questions came up because I was already in a coaching role. Mm-hmm. I was already a person that yeah, a few hundred had, people were coming to. Well, people were interested. And I'm right. gonna, I, like, I want to ask you something. What, what questions would you ask yourself where you let? Okay, so one of the things that it's gonna bring up, and he's gonna bring up right now too, is. This is this is scientifically based, right? You're Correct. you're not going under just a, a feeling perception. It's been, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna really want you to this. One thing I really want him to touch base on is that this is not just. And he's gonna really talk about it. if you if you visit rebelmindfulness.com, you're gonna see a really awesome video. Uh, what was the guy's name again? That does the video? Andres. Man, Andres. Yeah, it's a really good like uh, video about what he's done. His experience is very well done and edited. Um, but what questions do you ask, maybe personally, that doesn't that would lead you to a more? I know that it's part of your character, mm-hmm. but I know that your feeling of trying to grow came from an emotional response. Obviously, not seeing your daughter grow up for for minutes, which would then turn to hours at a time, that's an emotional feeling. Yeah. But what makes you take a pragmatic approach into saying, what do you ask yourself? Saying, hey, I'm going to follow something that's you would assume based on science that would be really dry and kind of like, because eh, mm-hmm. everyone thinks scientific belief is empty of creationism or kind of mm-hmm. it's being creative and different. But what questions did you ask yourself that led you to the path of something in the sense of science based and not something like you would say with chakras? And not that I'm going to shit on that per se, but what took yeah. you this path? Yeah, so I mean, that's, a, that's an important part of this because... Um, for me and my character, I don't know if I would have gone into it the way that I did if the science wasn't behind it, okay? So even though my initial reading was very... I stumbled upon the initial reading of, like, Buddhism and everything, mostly because I was in that that state of um, really trying to feel out where my where my beliefs were and do I do I believe in these things and I didn't but I kind of wanted to see what the other yeah you kind of beliefs to had to offer and right. okay and that's really where it was originally but then you know when I really started researching mindfulness you know really just the last 10 15 years predominantly there's just so much really valuable legitimate research going into these are the actual cognitive physical, emotional, psychological health benefits of incorporating a mindfulness practice. So it had the support that someone like me who really wants tangible numbers was like, okay, even though I could feel it before I knew the science, knowing that the science was there made it even easier for me. Because it's, for me, it gives me something to anchor to when you sometimes feel like it might not be working. Maybe this isn't worth it. Maybe it's maybe maybe this is all in my head. Well, no, it's not. And here's the proof. Okay. Right. Um, so that was that was very important to me that 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 science existed. Would you say that I mean being a coach and a leader that sometimes you need a little bit more than just belief? It's kind of a good feeling to say, hey, yeah. You know, I mean, I know we're a lot alike in coaching. It's like, hey, you okay? Maybe you don't have to believe me. So go try to disprove me. Mm-hmm. Ask me questions. Do the research. And in fact, I say this out of experience because when we first started talking, the first thing he said was, 
go to umass.com and look up mindfulness and, and fact check me. And probably when I got in the car, I got I'm like, well, this, this motherfucker's going to tell me what to do. He better mm -hmm. be right. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I got, I got lost not only in the, the explanations of it, but the, the actual uh, the, the, the studies done, the thorough studies over decades that I, was, I have the same character type. I mean, you can't really tell me what to do just because you're like, oh, it feels right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know how many wars were started and how many bad decisions, personally, I would know, that mm -hmm. would start with, oh, it feels right. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm <laughs> Dear diary. You <laughs> wake up like, no, 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 I didn't do that. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. It's not a burn, it's an itch. Anyway, so um, I, I, I wanted to, to uh, I, this is why I wanted to really bring up that point because... Um, I, I felt like that's kind of where we're going to go anyways, but it's a good, it was really good to hear you say and to hear you talk about what particular questions and just being insightful made you, that it's not necessarily just because it's your character, mm -hmm. you're also in a position, I mean, you're a father, you're a husband, you're a coach, you're a leader, people care what you're doing. It's very important that sometimes it's not just feelings that gets you there, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I've, I've told you this before, and I tell it to everybody, and it it's almost a, a fundamental um, a fundamental approach to everything with mindfulness is enter this as a skeptic. Like I want you to be as a skeptical and suspect of everything that I'm telling That's you as exactly possible. Right, yeah. Listen to what I'm saying, test it out, research it. Don't take, don't take my word for anything, okay? The, the truth of it is taking that approach is actually what makes it work. I mean, mindfulness at its core is about being open-minded and skeptical <laughs> about everything, right, you know, yeah. and not negatively skeptical, but very much like, okay, well, let me, let me really see if there's any truth to this. Let me also be open to the idea that if I don't believe in something that I might be wrong. Okay. We take that fresh eyes approach to everything. Let me look at this if it's, as if I've never seen it before, as if I don't know anything about it. Let me forget about everything that, you know, I've, packed away in my brain that you know all these little characteristics and beliefs and experiences I've had around this let me try to let those be for a little bit and start all over again okay um, and that's from looking at mindfulness to looking at foods that we like to people in our lives to you know what I mean and it's it's important that we approach everything like that and that's that's a, a core principle of, of what mindfulness is. You know, maybe I should um, kind of give at least a brief definition of what mindfulness yeah, is. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Please, please do. Okay. So, the Beard Strong guys want a definition. Here yeah. we go. I'm going to write this shit down. <laughs> we don't know stuff. <laughs> Did you say write? <laughs> so, two things. One, there is, there's a lot of different kinds of of meditation first of all and mindfulness meditation is just one okay also mindfulness itself is mindfulness as a lifestyle and practice and mindfulness meditation is just a formal practice of that okay so there there are two sides to it and with mindfulness we're talking about a very specific almost lineage of all the different options that are available to us. And you had mentioned, you know, some of them, you know, there's tying in of, you know, chakras and visions and all these things, which is perfectly fine. In my opinion, a lot of them have the same core. They're just different flavors, and everybody likes a different flavor of ice cream, you know? Right. You want well, here, you want chocolate, you want this. 
the end of the day, the, the dairy and the sugar is all in there. Yeah, you're okay? still getting there. Yeah. yeah, we're all getting it, all right? I'm getting fat. So mindfulness Just from the definition I tend to use at the very top of the pyramid is it's, it's becoming a, an unbiased, non-judgmental observer of the here and now. Okay, so what's here right now? Like to the most literal sense in our body, in our room, at this exact moment. Not, e- not 10 seconds from now, not what already happened, okay? And in that observation, you know, forgetting about, stop thinking about the future, stop thinking about the past, starting to look at everything and trying to shed our biases on everything, okay? You know, you walk into this room, what kind of bias does this room carry? The way that it's set up, the fact that we're in a gym. What kind of bias does the does your guys' approach or your physical appearance carry? Okay, right. a bunch of big guys with beards and shaved heads and tattoos on their head. There's he's there's talking a, about me, and he what he went to say is, how do you feel about being around a really handsome person? <laughs> That's pretty Lucas, much it. I don't know. I don't it's, know. You I'm, let trying, me know. I'm working on yeah. it. Okay, right okay. Now. It's very <laughs> nervous, guys. I know you're hearing this, but he's just sweating his ass off. <laughs> just kidding, me mostly because I'm full of disgusting things and fat. Go on. So. It's very easy to do that. You know, you come in and it's like, okay, boom, boom, boom. These things all nicely fit into certain categories that I have. I know I can, I know what you guys are before I've even spoken to you. Right. Okay. Which is almost guaranteed to be wrong. All right. In almost every circumstance, it proves to be wrong. And then that ties directly. There's some overlap with judgment. Okay. You know, our biases and our judgments dictate so much of how we perceive the world around us. And really being able to start controlling and recognizing when those things are happening. They're going to happen, but what we're trying to do is actually recognize when they are happening. So you can say, oh, I'm, I'm feeling this way about, let's say, you because of these things. I'm categorizing him. Uh, but recognizing and it's completely unfair. Right. But I do recognize that I'm doing it. So let me step back and start trying to unpack that a little bit, okay? And that goes for everything. That goes for people. It could be for physical pain. The, the list is, I mean, every yeah, aspect of your life. I feel like one of my better. favorite ones that has stuck with you, with me from you. We, so we, okay, so back, I think it was like in March, we had, a, we had um, Lucas here to do a mindfulness seminar, which he's now traveling all over the nation for. We just had one with Donnie Thompson recently, which is cool. Um, and one of the best ones, we all laughed about it, but it seems like the most practical here in Miami is that he had mentioned, you, Luke, you, you had mentioned about when somebody cuts you off in, in, in traffic, mm-hmm. and uh, like my man Flip, Flip, you you like you like starting I'm fights on that? Super calm in traffic. He is also probably one of the most dangerous human beings on the app Waze. If you ever get <laughs> approached or, or physically, quote unquote, assaulted on Waze, it's because of Flip, our bad boy lawyer. Um, but seriously, so, well, the best thing he said is like when somebody cuts you off, you know, the first reaction is to curse up a storm and to get upset, which is natural. I mean, it's it, understanding uh, that you're getting upset. But then the difference, and I think this is where it becomes the mindfulness approach is there's two, not two per se, but let's just cut it and simplify it for two. There's one path that's you're just going to stay mad for 5, 10, 20, even the whole day. I mean, you get to work and all you can do is talk about this fucking guy that cut you off or probably a woman in an SUV because they're the most dangerous people in the world. I said it. Um, And you're mad the whole day and you're mad when you get home. And although you think you're done talking about it, you're really not done feeling the residual stress. And I think that, first of all, living in a city, Mm -hmm. it's like where there was fire, there was ashes. My dad always says when you're 
you're really upset at something, it kind of sets the pace for the rest of the day. And you, know, you can get cut off at cut off at six in the morning, mm-hmm. and man, you get home in a shitty mood. It just sits in you because you. It's not that you have to necessarily let it go per se, but you have to understand why you're letting it go. And that's my perception of that conversation because now I get cut off. I mean, you can really witness this. I literally, I always take the breath and I can hear, I mean, he's already in my head, dear diary. I know you're late. Everyone's jealous right now, but I can, I go, I take a big breath and I said, you know, it's silly, but it's my mantra per se. I said, be mindful. And I can instantly feel myself letting go of what's happening because I'm understanding why I'm letting go. There's a difference. If you just try to let it go without thought, without mindful practice, it typically has a resurgence Mm -hmm. because now you're like, nah, but this fucking, and it'll come back. But I can sit there and be like, well, should I really let this ruin the rest of my day? Why am I getting upset at this person? Um, they're probably just like me. I've done this before. Who am I to really sit there, yeah. right? 100%. And it's it, that I think because I think what a lot of people will t- take from our conversations to ah, oh, that's hippie bullshit. Fuck this. I'm like, yeah, I was that too. I'm still that. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I'll punch you in the face. Cut me off. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but it it really sits in there. And when I think that's one of the conversations we're gonna get deeper into is the mindful practice of quote unquote letting it go is not without thought and therein lies the growth mm-hmm. right it, that's mm-hmm. why we're in ties to it's like mindful reps right you go to the gym you do repetitions and and this is something that i mean lucas you can correct me if i'm a little off but this is i've been talking to luke now for almost almost a whole year about this mm-hmm. and i've been studying and really listening to him but it's these day-to-day, moment-to-moment, hours-to-hours, minutes-to-minutes, repetitions of mindful practice that truly make you mindful. And that's kind of what you're getting on about. What is the difference between mindful and then mindfulness meditation? Because there's a lot of motherfuckers that meditate, but you're still kind of a shitty human being. It's kind of like saying, oh, I do charity, but you're kind of a scumbag. It, it, I mean, it's kind of what I do, but whatever. Um, some of my friends do. Well, I, mean, you're, I mean, you're right, too. I mean, there's there's... A lot of things that will validate what you're saying, um, even specifically, um, you know, locally, Amishi Ja at University of Miami did this study with a football team recently, and it was all over everything. And, um, you know, kind of measuring their basically stress reactivity, not just on the field, but off the field, because they were doing it during testing time and all this stuff. And um, yeah, 100%. One of the main things that was learned from that is it's regular consistent practice that makes the difference mm-hmm. you know um it, it it's so much like anything we do i mean to really simplify it i like to use the analogy of um memorizing numbers okay so if, if i tell you i give you a string of like nine numbers i say memorize this okay and i'm going to ask you again in i'm going to ask you again in 10 minutes for the next 10 minutes you know, every few, you'll just keep reminding yourself what those numbers are. And there's a chance that if not perfectly, you'll get pretty close to giving me those nine numbers back. Okay. If I give you those numbers without telling you that I'm going to ask you about them, and then I ask you 10 minutes later, (laughs) you're going to get maybe like the first two and the last one. Three in a row. You're going to get the bookends and that's, and that's it. But so mindfulness practice, I, I really do see it as when we're, when we're, practicing consistently so it's we have a daily formal practice 
we're constantly just reminding ourselves of little things during the day. We have those brief mindful moments. Oh, look at this thing I've, I've never noticed. These little things. What it does is it keeps those tools in the forefront. They're right there when we need them. Okay. So all those little things that are available to us, if we don't let them sink back into oblivion, when the moments come when we really need them, they're already right there because we were just using them, whatever, a few minutes ago, a couple hours ago. It wasn't two weeks ago, you know, and you'll notice that sometimes when something comes up immediately after, let's say like a formal practice, okay? You sat down, you did your 20 minutes of meditation, you did your 45 minute body scan, whatever it was, and then you leave and then something work-wise comes up or whatever. You can feel often like, I'm, I'm in a much better position to handle this right now, yeah. you know, because it's all fresh. I mean, and that's what we're trying to do is keep it permanently fresh. It's, it's man. So the reason, okay. So first of all, anybody that listens and newcomers and oldcomers, I never get behind something I don't believe in. Um, unless it's going to make me a fuck ton of money. Then I can be like an Instagram whore. Like Twitch. <laughs> what? I'm going to Twitch some video games. Call of Duty, MDLP 117. Come, come at me. Um, exactly. No problem. But, There's a lot of money in that. Yeah, there is. <laughs> you can get all the sub, all the power, protein powder you can. And free knee sleeves. Yeah, free knee sleeves. <laughs> I made it, Mom. Like, Mommy, listen, I get free stuff. She's like, okay. Um, but... One of the, the, the best parts about this, and like, I guess it's entire, the, the journey, the conversations of things that I believe in is because I've actually put it to practice under a, in a very many personal situations. And I, I always get pretty raw and real about certain stuff. And I, I, I'm not saying this because I need you motherfuckers to DM me and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But I had this exact conversation about four weeks after my best friend died this year. And we had, we had breakfast at Sergio's, a local place. And typically when something like that hits me, I love to run away from it in the sense of staying really busy uh, and being, you know, being the man about it and like, oh, you know, I'm just going to be busy and be a man and kind of avoid stuff. And I promise you, it was your seminar in March and our conversations in the months before where I could not run away from that grief. And I knew that I shouldn't. And I was actually mindfully accepting that grief, that it was... It was kind of uh, not necessarily, it was okay in the sense of how I felt it. That right. it came in waves, and when it came, that it, I should feel it mm -hmm. rather than run away. Like, yeah. And that's yeah. kind of like how that, it works, right? Yeah, so what we, um, what we emphasize, and I've told you about this, and this, it's very specific to what we talked about then, is um, mindfulness is never about um, distraction or blocking or ignoring. You know, for the hard and the beautiful things in our life, you turn into them. What is this that's here me? Let me really sit with this. Let me really see what's happening here. Not, you know, oh, this is kind of unpleasant. Let me just distract myself. Mm. Okay. Now Which there's edges that we common. play with, you know yeah. what I mean? Because, you know, some things are, some things are really heavy, you know, some things are very painful. So it's, it may not be an immediate, okay, let me just dive into this. It's, it's a feel. Let me, let me kind of feel out the edges of this a little bit. Okay. It's a little too painful at the moment. Let me step back just enough. And then when I'm ready, let me go back in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's, but mindfulness is not ever about, let me find a way to just completely distract myself. Um, there's a lot of arguments of why that may or may not be the best thing, you know, but it's, um, here's actually, 
I'm going to use this analogy and it's actually um, kind of like a another story poem I've been working on but I'm this is just the general idea is um, I've been working on this analogy it's almost as if you have the option to get shot by two different arrows okay arrow number one is big steel heavy arrow you're gonna see it it's gonna tear you apart it's gonna come really close to killing you and it's gonna hurt like shit like it's gonna be bad the other one is it's an invisible arrow it's much smaller <clears throat> it's gonna hit you it's not gonna hurt as bad but you're not really gonna see where it hit you or necessarily be able to feel exactly where it hit you okay so you can get hit with either one the problem is with the second one the pain's not as bad you found a way to numb it by using an invisible arrow but you can't fix it you can't get rid of that little numbing because you don't even know where the pain is because you haven't really paid attention to it yet take the big one it's gonna hurt it's gonna be really bad but you know exactly where the pain is coming from you know you know exactly how bad it is yeah. you know exactly what you have to start addressing right away so in the long run you have at least the opportunity of of healing with the other one the opportunity is if if you if at all it's going to be pure luck right so the pain is much less but it might be with you forever versus you take the big one now we might be able to work with it mm -hmm. um you know and that's just you know for me visually it's kind of always felt like that you know it's you know let me dive in right now see what i'm working with and just sit with it you know but the other important part is too is to let be which is to really be an observer and not start placing our judgments and intentionally start searching for answers okay we can only investigate and search for answers with the knowledge that we already have okay so we feel these things maybe it's similar to something that somebody else went through or something that we saw on tv or something that we went through in the past well we're going to take all the information that we had from those previous experiences and, and attach it to that one and we might miss the point completely because every experience of our life is 100% unique, okay? We have little things that we can learn from the past, but we have to be careful that we don't always place those things on every single situation. So it's okay, this hurts, here's this pain, here's this joy, whatever it is, but let me just sit with it and just observe and over time let whatever information we can get cultivate itself. Really? Um, and, and it's really, a very different approach than what people would traditionally associate. It, you know, I actually the, have a point too about that. Too. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, so, talking about his loss, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought it was pretty interesting because um, I dealt with some things, a uh, very heavy loss of losing my mother a long time ago. And it wasn't until I made almost an understanding that grief was necessary. Mm -hmm to overcome the loss and do you find that people who are experimenting with mindfulness instead of i feel like they skip that grief is necessary and a lot of times make themselves feel like it's not okay to find that hurt i guess you could say or mm -hmm. that steel arrow mm -hmm. and they skip that and they use the mindfulness practice to almost as an escape route. Yeah. Like I don't need to face this because death happens, happens to everyone and that's it. Mm -hmm. And then they try to move forward as opposed to skipping that compartment 
that you were talking about mm -hmm. and saying, okay, this is grief. This is something I need to face. And then what's the approach when you get there, when you realize that that's a necessary piece to move forward? Like what is the approach to like, say a grieving process? Yeah. So giving just, you know, from personal experience and the experience of people I've been with directly, um, the, the grief for a lot of things is a very natural part of the process, okay? Now, with grief, with physical pain, with emotional pain, what we often find is that when you're really mindful and paying attention to it, the pain itself isn't anywhere near as bad as you've made it out to be, okay? We do a really good job of, of um, exaggerating things in our mind, okay? Um, you know, because there's certain things, for example, that are, that are, you find its roots, you know, even stemming from Buddhism and multiple other practices that are part of mindfulness. One of them being, you know, clinging or grasping onto things. And a lot of times, you know, maybe it could be a number of things, but maybe the, the grief is coming from us holding on to the idea of that thing that we lost was going to be here forever or longer. We may have even kind of had a constructed idea of what our future was going to look like and that person was part of that future and the pain is coming from not being willing to let go of okay this future that hasn't happened yet is not actually what my future is going to be it's going to be different and that's just what it is okay um a, a physical pain example um which does translate over to to emotional would be Let's say someone puts a, a small nail into your thigh, okay? For a lot of people, that's going to bring a lot of screaming and agony and writhing and rocking back and forth in their chair. And Whereas if, if you could, in a lot of cases, get that person to be very present and just focus on exactly what the pain feels like. Pay attention to the specifics. Describe the pain to me. They start breaking it down, okay? And what you start to realize is, it's, it's not pleasant by any means. It definitely hurts, but I'm dealing with it. I can, I can bear it. Like I'm, I am making it through this pain, okay? A lot of the really bad pain comes from the idea of this, this nail is going to be in my leg for 20 more minutes. So almost what we're doing is taking that next 20 minutes of expected pain and pulling it all back to the present moment, okay? So it's the idea of how can I deal with this for 20 more minutes? How can I move forward with this person not being in my life anymore? How is this even going to be possible? I can't deal with it. Well, stop. You're dealing with it right now. Like, you're here. You're alive. You're, you're managing it right now at this moment if you just pay attention to this moment. It's bringing in the collective future hypothetical suffering that makes the present much harder to deal with. Right. I mean, I feel like... Does that make sense to yeah, an extent? Yeah, okay. It's, it's, yeah. it's, okay. it, it, it's kind of like when you lose somebody, the first thing you start thinking about is like, how is Christmas going to be? Uh, yeah. How is their yeah, birthday yeah. going to be? 100%. And it's exactly like that nail you just said. You you pull back the, your future events into one. I'm, I'm Colombian, so I'm super dramatic. You pull it back into some really magnificent, and I mean magnificent in the sense of how it really is defined, of some painful situations um, and and that's one thing we were talking about too is that I mean we've all experienced loss and I could not help myself for at least the first few days and I think it, again this is where mindful practice comes into play it's like okay I'm feeling this mm -hmm. 
I mean, I understand that this is part of the grieving process. Typically, I would be like, well, that's pussy shit. Stay mm -hmm. busy. You're a man. Three, four days, just fucking whatever. I mean, I drink a lot of alcohol, so I thought that was going to be great, you know? When instead, this one approach, I'm like, hey, man, you know, it's supposed to suck. But should it suck forever? I'm like, no. And it was kind of conversation with Lucas. And it brings me up to the next point, something you've been saying consistently. One of my favorite things will come up soon, but is that it takes, it takes time and it takes practice um, and that the acceptance of pain through being mindful about it is process. Mm -hmm. And that is where I'm going to tie this back into sport is where when we're at, well, I mean, Lucas is, is a powerlifter too and we've all been into here, Felipe, anybody, everybody in this entire should, thing has competed. Lucas was, ah, he, was he was a very shitty powerlifter. He is currently, <laughs> currently retired. I'll, I'll try to get him with the strong man where his life really ends. Um, <laughs> and then that's it. I'm like, invest all your monies. No more monies. Um, <laughs> yeah, fuck. Uh, MDLP, they told me to open up a, a gym. I clean toilets now. Um, so... In, when you're training, this is the beauty of it, when you're really at a certain level of, of training, mm -hmm. you will experience pain. Um, obviously, I'm not here to say it's okay to feel all sorts of pain, but when, I mean, we had Brian Carroll on our show recently. We've talked about competing and, and, and the ideas of pain and its neurological damage and your sport, etc. But if you identify this pain as saying, okay, my elbow really, really hurts mm -hmm. and I'm trying to do a log press, the more you think about it and dissect it and analyze it, many times it allows you to bring focus on how to maximize the job that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can say, well, if I, if I just fucking tighten my hands up and breathe really tight and it's there, it becomes a fuel. It becomes like a, like a, kicking, like a kickstarter to that press. I've pressed some of my best, pulled some of my best in extreme pain or discomfort or, or fear. And it's because I've sat there and I've identified it. I, and I can tell you an experience. When I pulled 700, which nowadays may not beat that much because we're all social media savvy, but if you pull seven, eight, nine hundred, you're like in the point oh 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 whatever percentile of the world. I remember right before I pulled it, before I was misloaded by uh, Felipe Montoya. I puts, believed in him. Yeah, right. <laughs> pulled se put 745 when I fuck him. I did math what? to save my life. It could have been. It's 45 pounds off. You were the fuck boy dad. Yeah. Anyways. What could have been? What could have been? Yeah. Or in the words of... I would have been interviewed Brian Carroll two years ago when my spine erupted. In the words of one of our gym residents, 745 was there. Yeah, yeah. Fuck out of here. Yeah, right. Yeah. This motherfucker. I picture like that Mortal Kombat with you like... They get punched in the face and the fucking spine. spine. Like, uh, that pretty much happened. Yeah. Uh, so when I was getting into that deadlift, you can uh, when I post the video, there was a moment of, of hesitation, which is not allowed at that weight. And I remember in that, I mean, this is long before I met you, but I've always been into the concept of meditating, maybe just not with the right practice coming from a martial arts background. But I identified the fear. I knew what it was. I knew going into that 700-pound pool why I was so scared or I was scared. I was scared of, you know, because I was doing this. I was thinking of everything after the deadlift. Mm. All the injuries, all the shit, or even failing. I thought about everything, and I pulled it into that deadlift, and it almost psyched me out. Mm -hmm. And here's why I can't, I can't reiterate this enough about how important you motherfuckers listening to this and how, how, how much base it has 
not only in anything and everything, but especially in sports, especially strength sports, when we don't get a lot of chances or a lot of years to do this, is that when I identified what I was doing, that I was pulling my way away from the current situation, is when I was already setting myself up to fail. And anyone who's ever been on a platform or, or strongman competition, the, the lift is done outside. Just like Mike Tyson said, the fight was won outside of the ring. Mm -hmm. He knew going into that ring that it was won. And whatever you can call it, whatever practice he was doing, um, I don't it's, know what ecstasy gets McGregor you there. Too. I mean, he tells you that's the reason he's never surprised when he wins because he's already won it 100 times in his head. You know, it's, it's already it's, gone it's through. It's there. Yeah. And that, that really, that really I, I hope you guys really take that into account is that most of us in sports only practice this mentality when we're in the gym. And that is where we fail. It's like Brian Carroll said. Brian Carroll said it this week, and Lucas is saying it right now. And I've been—we probably have also been saying it for years. And the athlete or the mindfulness person has to be that person twenty-four-seven, or get the fuck out of my house. If you're not mindfully practicing these things daily, so if you're not mindfully trying to be disciplined, or I mean, I feel like discipline and mindfulness are almost the same thing in in. In just in semantics. Um, but discipline and mindfulness needs to be practiced daily. The same fucking mindset that's going to help you pull that deadlift off the ground is the same one that is going to help you not fucking get pissed at somebody cutting you off. That is going to, which I'm going to ask you real quick, I love this, about mindfully eating. And uh, Lucas, we're going to have you talk about this real quick. When is the last time you sat down? Not you per Actually, se. Before, I know before you ask, I want, to ask, I want to touch on what you oh, were Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. The... Um, because just to bring up, there's a, there's an important aspect to being completely mindful in ath athletic performance, which is you know sometimes there's a lot of overlap into you know being in the zone and the flow state and being mindful, and it's it's all relatively related with minor nuances. Um, a classic example is I may have brought it up in your guys' workshop is the Lolo Jones example. Mm -hmm. So for people who don't know, Lolo Jones was an American hurdlist who in the, I can't remember which Olympics it was, she was, you know, by far favored to win gold. It was basically a done deal. Nobody was anywhere near as fast as she was. She's never won a medal. Like, this was the this year. Was the one. And this was going to be her last, like, this was the time. And, um, you know, a lot of hype. America was be like, everybody was there with her. Lines up, gun goes off, boom, she's gone. She's jumping, she's jumping, she's jumping. I think she gets a few hurdles out, and she realizes, I won. I'm going to win. Like, my lifelong dream is a second and a half, two seconds away from right now. Don't mess this up. Mm. And that's where it went. Because then, for the first time in who knows how long, she actually started... And overanalyzing everything she was doing. Okay, I got to step and then just make sure I take my steps because then if I clip the thing, then I'm she's never, she hasn't thought about that in forever. And the second that entered and the fear of losing it entered, she clipped the hurdle. I think she got fourth or fifth. Gone. And like for those of... If you ever if you've ever seen it, go watch the video and just watch her collapse it was like when she crosses the finish line. Like maybe? three Olympics ago or something yeah. like that. It's I mean, it's gut-wrenching to yeah, watch. Yeah. I remember she tells you it's purely because going, going, and then for the first time in who knows forever, she thought about it, and in came 
all the fear and what do I have to do to make sure I don't mess this? All of that just came, boom, right there, and that's when it went. And you could imagine for a sprinter, thinking half a second ahead is oh. already too much. Yeah, and that's why you you know you hear, um, you know, a lot of these guys. I mean, you know, meditation and mindfulness was part of the Chicago Bulls during Jordan's reign, and he brought it to the Lakers. And I mean, you hear these guys too when they talk about, let's take a basketball player. They get into that zone, and they start asking them questions about it, and they're like, I don't remember anything. Like. I just know they were going in, I, but it's kind of a, you know what I mean? Because they weren't bringing in all these other things, you know? It was just, I was just playing basketball, man. Yeah. It like, becomes a, 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 almost a process instead of a mentality, right? Correct, yeah. You're not bringing in all your things of, okay, the crowd, and then if I mess up, what's the, what are the ramifications of me taking this shot and missing? You know what I mean? It's just, no, I'm just... I'm just here right now loving what I do. You know what I love know? that, and, I, and I've been thinking about this a long time because I've been thinking about this interview for a long time. Um, some powerlifters call it the void, you know, when you're under the heavy, heavy weight. Um, we can call it whatever you want, but there is a certain state of survival that brings such a clarity. And, you know, I've been thinking about this. I'm just coming. I haven't been able to talk to, to you about this, so this is kind of like happening right now. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> My perception on mindfulness is kind of going back to very good basics. Uh, and you can bring the animal kingdom into it all you want or whatever, I love comparing things to animals because why not? Mm -hmm. It also makes for really good memes. But <laughs> you can't really be the best hunter in the world if you're consistently thinking about how you're not going to make this hunt. Oh, correct. You know, yeah, 100%. Right? Like if we wanted to give human aspects to a lion or a wolf, and if it just sits there and be like, man, if I fucking miss this gazelle, we're fucked. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, then you are, you're screwed. You're fucked. Point. And yeah. I can guarantee that those lions probably may not even have that brain processes. But we as humans, we're kind of fucked. We have it. So what we're trying to do is, I would like to think, is that you're trying to pull yourself back into this kind of appreciation of the moment where you, it's mindful, it's survival, it's appreciation, it's uh, observation, um, where you're not a step ahead per se, but you're so well trained in the moment that the step ahead is already defined by how good you are right now. Yeah. Right? And that is, it's exactly, like I can mm -hmm. ask some of my guys that lift, I'm like, did you hear me? And they're like, honestly? I, do, I, could, I couldn't tell you even what I was feeling or thinking. I wasn't scared. Mm -hmm. that, that's why I love strength sports. I think a lot of us get addicted yeah. to that. So imagine I, I would, there's moments when we're doing the, I'm, right now me and uh, I'm part of Lucas's, I guess it's a nine-week course. We can, technically it's eight weeks. We meet multiple, a little bit longer than that, but yeah. Yeah, it's an it's a eight-week course. Uh, it's actually school. I'm gonna, it's school. We're going two and a half hours. I'm actually in town this week, so yes, I get to not miss a course. But every Thursday we meet, and it's, it's class. I'm being schooled um, about this practice. I'm putting my time in. We have homework. We have application. We'll talk about that, too. I'm going to probably get some, some info out there. But uh, it's really about putting this into play. Mm -hmm. um, and it's 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 something I would really appreciate. Going, going on your animal analogy, I mean, what you're saying is true. So Robert Sapolsky has a book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, and he's oh, like, oh, wait, wait, was it kind of that? Why zebras don't get ulcers. Um, if you're looking for like the master on our body's stress response and all that, but he's he's the one. And just from the title, to give you a really you know, dumbed down synopsis of what it is. I mean, the book title is perfect. It's, you know, how come these things don't happen? Why don't they get ulcers, you know, despite all the other physiological aspects? Hair and shit. So a lion starts chasing a zebra, okay? He's chasing him, he's chasing him, and then whatever, the zebra manages to get away, and the lion 
takes off in his own direction. The difference between us and a zebra is the zebra doesn't sit there for the next 10 days going, man, if he had got me, how would my kids be eating and blah, blah, blah. No. Yeah, He'd right. gone, okay. His heart rate and everything goes back to normal, and he starts eating grass like, again. man, this lake is really cool. <laughs> that's it. But part of our downfall. I'm Instagram that shit. Huh? Yeah. You know, motherfucker saw me run away from that lion. Part of what makes us human and a lot of the incredible things we can do is the ability to forecast and look into the future and start planning and, you know, trying to predict and ultimately end up stressing about what's going to happen as well as the past. But that's also our potential downfall. Okay. Um, you know, and it all ties into all these automated things that happen in our body. Like there's just so much automation. Our body just has, you know, built in responses and mechanisms to on how to approach everything. And it has to, to an extent or else you, we couldn't survive. If you had to relearn everything every single day, you'd be screwed but especially in western culture it's it consumes us you know you could go through hours of your day and then finally something happens where you're like how the hell did we get to three o'clock in the afternoon already like i just drove from whatever fort lauderdale to here and i don't even remember the drive like i almost missed the exit whatever it is you know what i mean we've all had those moments and with you know so even in the name rebel mindfulness it's rebel mindfulness and we talk about taking control the rebel part comes from the idea that there we live right now in a society that has a very kind of you know socially accepted and standard way of moving through life okay these are the things you do it's step one step two step three step four it's okay to be like this it's okay to you know work yourself into your grave it's whatever it is okay we have all these things that we've just taken as they are it always right from the beginning the reason the name stuck with me is it um it always felt like a rebellion against the norm to be able to to step back and say i'm gonna have a clear enough mind to do things the way that i want to do them to step back and say i'm gonna reanalyze everything and that's what happened with me with work. That's what happened with, okay, there's, and starting to find balance and start taking control back from the autopilot, okay? Let the autopilot do what it has to do, but slowly but surely start chipping away at who's holding the steering wheel, okay? And be able to step in and start participating in some of the decisions that we might not have been participating in before. Start reacting, um, or basically stop reacting so much and start responding more you know the more we can differentiate between a reaction and a response the better off we are because responses carry actual thought you know what i mean we we there's a reason that we've responded the way we did responding almost like what you're talking about at the beginning of the show is responding almost comes with pre-biases right like well re uh, would that be fair to say reaction reaction comes with 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 bias yeah so responding you know has it's really as simple as reacting is mindless responding is mindful mm-hmm. we want more responses and less reactions um so you know and that's where the the rebel part of it comes in for me is really starting to just be more present when all these things are happening so i can start responding and making the decisions that i think are better i mean how often do you do something that 
a minute or a year later, you're like, I would have done that a lot differently if I had time to think about it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Pretty much everything after 22. Right. So a lot of situations. What we're trying to do is be present for it so we can do those things the way we would prefer to do them. Okay. And it's, and also touching on what you had mentioned before about making this, live this life 24 7. What it is, is have the intention to live this life 24 7. You can't, I would never tell someone this has to be 24-7 or nothing because it's not possible. It's just not. We can't do it all the time. But if we keep practicing, we can do it more and more. But what happens is if, if I told you 24-7 or nothing, there's a very good chance that at some point you're going to get too frustrated. You know, you're the, I can't do it. I can't. After a year of banging your head against a wall, you'd be like, I'm never going to get it. Because I gave you the wrong information. I made you think that it was possible to 24 hours a day just be mindful of everything that's happening when it's not, okay? That's one of the biggest hurdles that we have when we're teaching people to meditate is they tell me I suck at meditating. Why? I keep thinking about shit. Well, let me tell you something. That's actually the point, okay? The point is to be able to sit down, recognize when the thoughts are happening, but recognize them as thoughts and just let them be, let them go. Like a passing cloud, if you're sitting on top of a mountain, here comes a thought, let that thought go. Don't start analyzing that thought, okay? Oh, I wonder if this guy did this, and I wonder, you know what I mean? Because then it turns into a story, and then you end up down this whole string of events, and you're like, I wonder if I could, you know, domesticate squirrels and have them live in my kitchen. And then you're like, wait a second, how did I get there? I'll be like, domesticating squirrels, I love it. Yeah, so what it is is you get stronger and stronger at recognizing that thought was here. Okay, that's nice to notice. But now let me just get back to whatever it is, my breath. Uh, so I don't know if you guys, I mean, he just schooled me right now. So I think we're done with the show. <laughs> get the fuck out of here, Lucas. It's your bullshit. Um, but <laughs> I know we're not, okay, so listen, we're not supposed to talk about what we were talking about. But this is something, I mean, within the, the schooling. But this is something I've talked to Lucas personally. What you just heard is exactly me being me. And then me, him telling me, well, think about it. You know why? Because to me, it's like I make it like this fucking. I, I'm an extreme person. I'm, I'm 100 all the time. Mm-hmm. So you, I mean, I hope you guys can. I mean, you're gonna have to rewind it. But I'm like 24 fucking seven. You piece of shit, you know. And that's me being fucking me, right? Yeah, yeah. And I told you one of my biggest hurdles is not to be coaching all the time because I'll sit here and coach myself. So if I mindfulness, like if I'm mindful, quote unquote, like twice a day, I'm like, well, only twice. You know, and it's and it's one of the best things you've told me is that there is no quote unquote I hate using quote unquote, but I'm using my hands correct way of being mindful. And I, I would like for you to kind of touch base on that because that's I fucking hate gray areas, and this is why because I'm but this is why I'm doing what mm-hmm, I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is why uh, to be very fucking honest, these classes are really hard for me, man. I'm oh, fucking hate. I mean, I can sit there and you can see me sweating because I'm like, like pointing at somebody, like, what the fuck are you doing? You know. But and I think many of us, especially mm-hmm. yeah, uh, especially yeah. from Hispanic cultures and this city, just spicy, man. Coaching We're just background, feeling like you're there to help people. Exactly. Just, yeah. And I want I want you to touch base a little bit about this because I'm super curious. Um, the fact that there is no right way or wrong way to be mindful mm-hmm. makes it a very slippery slope for me to, to yeah. understand. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. So there's a 
there's a right intention. Mm, okay. That's so good. So there's a proper intention and there's an improper intention. If the intention is for you to try to be more present, if the intention is for you to observe and just be with it, whatever's here, from that point moving forward, there really can't be any wrong. Okay. So if, if you're sitting and you're being present and you're opening to what's happening and what's happening is just a flood of countless thoughts that you just can't get out of your head and emotions and anger and you're uncomfortable and you can't stay still. And as long as you're aware of those things, then you're doing the right thing. Okay. People get too caught up in, especially in the beginning. Okay. As your practice deepens, you start diving into all these things a little specifically and bringing a little bit more almost, you know, um, acts of discipline into it or whatever but it's important right from the beginning that you focus on what your intention is okay it's not about having to sit cross-legged on the floor not move at all and just have a perfectly clear mind okay take that as the extreme example um it's perfectly fine to just you know be sitting in a chair moving around a little bit going through a thousand thoughts a mile and maybe one out of every 100 you really catch it and you bring it back you know to your breath or to the present moment that's that's fine okay completely understanding you know people can easily apply this logic to almost anything else nobody ever would walk into this gym nobody would ever walk into battle axe for the first time in their life having never lifted and get mad that they couldn't squat 600 pounds (laughs) they get up under it and they get crushed like shit not one of them but it would be like I don't know why I couldn't do that. I just read a whole magazine on how to squat 600 pounds. <laughs> I just Instagrammed <laughs> Steffi Cohen so I could do 500 yeah. for three, duh. Yeah, I just, five, I, actually. I just read seven research articles on this. I should be able to do this. Right, right. Um, you know, nobody ever goes, you know, into, you know, stock trading and right from the, doesn't understand why they're not a millionaire by the third day. Yeah. You know, it's just, with everything else, we completely understand this is going to suck. I don't know anything. I got to do a lot of work and practice is the only way I'm going to get there because mindfulness appears to be so much of nothing from the outside looking in. It looks very much like, oh, this is easy. I just got to sit there and do nothing. Like it creates that kind of false perception where the important part is too. kind of right next to that is we can all do it. Okay, there is nobody who can't do it. There's no physical limitations or mental ability or anything that you have to purchase. None of that. Experiences of life. We all have the ability and the tools to do it. They're there. So we're all good. However, unlike squatting, some people will never be able to squat 600 pounds, no matter what. They could be the most disciplined person on the face of the earth. It's just not going to happen. Okay? With mindfulness, they can happen. But it does take that same kind of commitment and practice and mindset and intention to get to that point, okay? To get to the point that, um, that, is, that it's really starting to, you know, encompass a larger portion of your day-to-day life, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, that you're remembering to be mindful. Like I tell you guys all the time, being mindful is not hard. It's remembering to be mindful is very hard. 
Because when you remember, when it hits you, it's like... It's too late. (sighs) Sometimes it's too late. That was good. But remembering to be... Then you go through things sometimes and you're like, man, if I had just stopped and took a breath for a second, that would have been... I would have handled that much better. I want to bring something up and I I don't know if it's challenging per se, but I think it's really interesting. Um, Something you said about six... You just said it. 600-pound squat... And it's something I said a little while ago to the gym. Sometimes I yell at the guys a lot and girls and everybody around me. Um, (laughs) What? So I always say that you may not have a world record. And I said it against with Brian Carroll. But you have to have world class or world record effort. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of, I love how that came to be. It's like I may never, I mean, I may never squat 800. In my mind, yes, right. But I may never squat it, but the the practice remains with that kind of adamant approach or that um, that that feeling, right? Because mm-hmm. I may that's that's in in essence, that's where you kind of have to. I think we have to draw the line between uh, physical training and mindfulness. I think our consciousness it's it's too undefined to define it by. A, that's us being us. That's me being me. I need to define my consciousness by resolute ending. Like, mm-hmm. this is how mindful I need to be, so I'm going to go after it. Like, I'm going to fucking... You say, like, if you gave me a power level, like, because I'm a <laughs> Dragon Ball fan, like 9,000, well, fuck yeah. How many do we get after doing this shit? Mm-hmm. You know, that's me being me, right? And I think that's kind of where we need to... Me, personally, have been. I've been really practicing these concepts and how to apply it and use it to coach to empower but also to divide the line between two different disciplines mm-hmm. because 600 will always be 600 but my approach needs to be that this is my sport my mindful practice needs to be that I'm going to shoot for this number and I may never get 600 but my effort my my joy my love of the process still needs to be like that 600 as possible right yeah. but mindfulness is I think from listening to you constantly and just having conversations is it's not so cemented that I need to be like, this is the ultimate. I'm going to be the most mindful guy if I, can, if I can meditate six hours a day. And I think personally that's kind of where we start to get a little crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're like, oh, I'm like, this is where we are. I'm like, you, med- you meditated how many times? I'm like, oh, well, I meditated six, bro, and I got the new pants. And, that's just, and I Instagrammed about it, so it happened. You know, yeah. I mean, but I, I'm going to Instagram about it because yeah. the – but – and I, I, I kind of just came to that realization – right meow, uh, where you can use mindful practice to get you on the process of becoming the person that can squat 600. Correct. And that'll make your 500 fucking that much better. Yeah. Then saying, I'm going to squat 600, 600, not get 600, and then your 500 is empty because you quit. And I just listened to you talk about that, and that's going to bring me up to one of my I mean, I can literally talk to you all the time. That's why our lunch breaks are like three hours. But one thing that you say constantly, and I fucking hated it for so long. But now, just like everything else, I see with a different perspective and a different understanding. And then I kind of want to let you go on with it. Okay. Is one of the things, even on you say on that motivation, was it is what it is. And anyone who knows me on a personal level, I've always fucking hate well, somebody says oh well it is what it is i'm like shut the fuck up <laughs> but i think it's because that word has been said without a proper understanding yeah right yeah yeah so i personally didn't use to like that but um 
because it just it wasn't used with any it was used more as a dismissive yes you know what i mean i don't really want to yes. put any effort in, you know what i mean yes so, like it cuts the conversation short right yeah right. what what's weird is i started using it again sometimes forgetting the previous use of it because it just it makes perfect sense once you kind of get into this and you start understanding okay what does that really mean and it it's it's actually a very powerful statement in a lot of ways okay you know things are as they are there is no there's no right or wrong okay um that's why we sometimes say there is no right or wrong way to meditate there's just what's happening right now whatever's happening right now is right because that's the only option okay far too often the we get caught up to in and always wanting to be things different than what they are, which is a completely wasted use of our energy and you know emotional gas tank and and everything. You know, as much as we may wish something in the present moment is different than it is, it completely changes the dynamic of how you're approaching the present when you just recognize that I have what I have right now. Um, and by by not dwelling on all these things that I'm attaching to it, I can enjoy and begin to actually appreciate the parts that are here. Okay, so instead of, let's take this moment, for example. Instead of me sitting here wishing that there was more of a breeze, for those of you who are listening, we're sitting outside, basically. Yeah, you know, it's hot. Yeah. It's, but instead of me sitting here wasting time thinking about that, why not just sit here and appreciate the, the things that are positive about right now? You know, we're sitting here having, you know, a great conversation. You know, I got to meet a couple new people. You start breaking it down by that and you realize there's way more to appreciate than there is to dwell on changing. Because very rarely do we dwell on trying to change things for the worse. You know, it's not like I'm sitting here being like, man, if only... I had a knife in my ass right now. Yeah, yeah. This would be this so would be much so better. better. Um, this would be a lot better yeah. time. Whoa, what? Just yeah, kidding. Just, yeah. Don't read my fucking diary, Lucas. Right. So, you know, we're, we're, we're striving, we're creating these, these manifestations in our mind of things that, you know, we're striving for that just aren't going to happen. And by doing that, we're missing so much. So that is what it is. Like, what's here is here. That let it be. You know, there they're all kind of used, um, you know, very loosely without people really thinking about what that actually means. But, I mean, that is what it is. We're, this is a little bit overused in, like, the mindfulness community um, about the idea of we're human beings. We're really good at the human being part. We need to be better at the human doing part, okay? Um I'm, I'm sorry to flip that around because I'm saying it backwards. Mm -hmm. We're human beings, but very we're often do we just be. Doing, yeah. We're really more like human doings. We're just constantly <coughs> doing something. We're working towards something, trying to make things different than they are all the time. And we don't have enough time to just sit and take things as they are. Um, and this, this starts to touch, in case it comes up, this starts to touch a little bit on very often in workshops or when I meet with people, 
one of the first questions that come up, especially with like business owners and stuff like that, is, well, how am I supposed to plan and run a business oh, and grind? God, and that's gonna be my next fucking point. Okay, go okay. on. Yes, that's, it's just the natural course. Yes, okay, of this course, is always yes. what comes up next. Yeah. Is well, how am I supposed to do all that? Yeah, how am I supposed to be quote unquote a savage and yeah. hustle Correct. hashtag? Right. Correct. So right. the way grind, I was, the grind. Yeah, yeah. How am I supposed it's your to fucking grind? job? That's your yeah. grind. How am I supposed to grind? How am I supposed to you know plan out my future? How am I supposed to do all these things? I just fucking wrote that down. That's <laughs> crazy. All right, good. So. The answer is pretty simple, and I'll explain. The answer is you do so mindfully, and I don't I don't like attaching the word mindfully to everything, but you sit down and plan those things and do those things <clears throat> when you want to do them, and you turn them off when you don't want to do them, okay? So instead of getting up in the morning, and from the second your eyes open, all you're thinking about is, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And then boom, 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 you go through the whole day and then you get to the end and then you just think about it more all night. It's starting to recognize, okay, what are the things I can work on from right here, right now? You know, you wake up in the morning. There's a big difference between starting your day the second you wake up. We'll use most people's typical situation. They wake up, they shower, they eat breakfast, maybe they read a little something and then they go to work. For most people, their work started before they got to work. Okay, I got to do this thing. I got 40 things I got to do. And if, okay, if I call this guy and blah, 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 okay, well, you just miss that entire opportunity of a morning to have it for yourself. So your eight-hour workday just became a whatever, an 18-hour workday because you took the two hours you had before work and it's probably going to consume the three hours you have after work. Um, And as far as the planning, okay, I have to plan my marketing. I have to do that. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to sit down right now and I'm going to work on that. But that's what I'm going to work on. And it's the only thing I'm going to work on. Okay. People will find, you know, so I have um, most of my personal training clients. I only work with a few at a time. But I, I work with them from mindfulness all the way to fitness. And we spend a lot of time on the mind. Like I, we literally meditate every single day that we sit down and we talk about these things. And um, and two, with two of them, they're both CEOs of, of companies, okay? Um, very successful. With one of them in particular, that was kind of a concern. Like, you know, I'm a strong woman. I'm a hustler. I, I, you know, I've built this on my own because of my drive. Right, so slowing down would be a weakness. Right? And slowing down would be a perceived weakness because we live in a culture where multitasking stressed out no time to do anything is rewarded yeah dude that guy's kicking ass he didn't even have time to talk to me yesterday yeah, that it, guy's it, awesome it's just you know like in sports you're in pain that means you're really yeah. really strong right yeah. but what they've realized is okay like i told you before it's about being able to put your attention where you want your attention okay so i have to sit down i have to write this proposal for whatever okay since i've been practicing I can sit down, and for the next 30 minutes, I can just focus on this proposal, and then when it's done, it's done. Old me, I'm writing this proposal, but I'm also thinking about all the other stuff I have to do. So this proposal takes three times as long to write, and it comes out half-assed because I wasn't even completely thinking about it, okay? With, with the people I've worked with, and I'm going to keep this as a completely personal experience that I've had with people I've seen directly, it always comes up that I feel like I'm much calmer and working less. However, 
when I sit back and look at it, I'm drastically more productive and more efficient than I've ever been in my life. I get way more done. It's not consuming me through my entire day. And at first that feeling was weird because, you know, I had these breaks where it was like, okay, I did what I needed to do. Man, I could, I could go for a walk real quick if I wanted to. get stressed out with something else. Probably. Right. Like there's, they, they, and that's normally what we want to do is fill those gaps. There's, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that by being more mindful and putting our control where we want it and not getting caught up in, you know, stressing about the future, reminiscing about the past when we don't want to be, we become much more efficient, creative, productive individuals. Right, okay. and I, I think that's something really to reiterate, and this is something I've been practicing myself, I think since we started talking about this a long time ago. Um, it, okay, so everyone who understands the idea of hustle thinks that it just means uh, more workload, mm-hmm. when in essence, uh, it becomes quality over quantity. That's just another way of saying the same thing what we're saying, right? And being this year that I've been injured and everything, so it's like, it, you know, Brian Kerr was on this last week and said, this is the juice worth the squeeze. And you can, yeah. we all say it the same way in a sense, but now I'd love to get this perspective because there is an application to what he's, you're trying to say, Lucas, is that, you know, you, okay, so most guys that work really hard at something think that because they work more or they do more <clears throat> tasks at once, that they're somehow, getting something done that they're like you said there's more stress and in strength sports the guys will tell you oh i'm the most beat up i'm the most hurt i'm the fucking Mm. heaviest i'm the biggest i've been here the longest that doesn't necessarily fucking mean that you're better and i you and me but we okay so i know guys that have been doing coaching for 20 25 years Mm -hmm. and i talk to them like you're kind of a fucking idiot like how can you coach people because that just they're quantitative coaches, they're quantitative athletes, where somebody who goes home and goes, well, why is this hurting? Why is this happening? Becomes a qualitative athlete or qualitative coach. And I, 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 want, I want to reiterate this, because I know who's listening to this. Um, and there's, especially in this city, there's this, there's a misconception about true hustle. And what, what that really means, if you want to use that word, and what it actually goes when you actually mean hustling per se, because I hope you guys are getting the same pers- like the same idea or perspective I'm getting is that it has to become fine tuned. It has to be that if you're practicing for what you're doing, if you're gonna take six hours, whether it's ten hours, two hours, or one hour, then I hope that if you're taking ten hours, that it's ten hours of work and not what you could have done for two. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying my best you know, doing through the seminars and the teachings. And these are sometimes, these are things that I would do, quote unquote, mindfully years ago, that sometimes I would get work done. I remember, I don't know if you remember this book, The 4-Hour Work Week. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like the precursor. And he was just saying, hey man, if you just, you know, compartmentalize, one of my favorite words, compartmentalize your efforts and your tasks, mm-hmm. that you will grow. But what mindfulness really comes into saying is that you can do this on every single aspect of life. So if you talk to 10 people a day, that doesn't necessarily make you more important than the person who talked to two and can still remember their names, what they said, what they did, Correct. and how many, I mean, we're in a social business. Mm-hmm. How many times do we talk to 20 people and I'm like, eh, well, this guy, mm. so it was kind of effortless, right? So I really want to reiterate that because 
a lot of guys will hear what we're saying right now, guys and girls, uh, will hear this and be like, well, I don't have time for that. You know, I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in the hustle. I'm like, that's the, that's the word, right? Time. Well, there's, there's, there, there's an awesome quote, which is, um, you know, if uh, every, everybody should, this is an ad-lib version of it because it's translated, is um, everybody should sit and meditate for at least 20 minutes a day unless you don't have time. Then you should meditate for an hour. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, and it's there's so much truth to that because yeah. you do have the time. You and do. I mean, you see from the class that you're in now, if it's important to you, you're gonna find the time. Yep. You know, it's it exists, it, but it's it's finding the inefficiencies and wasted time in our lives. Um, and by wasted time and stuff, I don't always mean like how much time are we doing something other than working. You know, some of the most valuable time in the world and some of the most important time in your life is a time that you're not doing anything and there is nothing to do and those moments that you just have to just sit and be yourself um and we do a really good job of every time a little bit of that opens up we pack it with something else okay well this person canceled their thing and okay well what can i jam in there to make myself you know more efficient you know it's we're we're really good at just constantly self-consuming all the opportunities we have to actually sit and just be and begin to observe and work on ourselves a little bit um but we we live in you know not just a nation but you know for you and i in miami specifically in a city that just doesn't generally reward that kind of behavior it's um no it's 100 percent on the grind all day go 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 or I don't know. You're probably wasting your yeah, time. Yeah, you're a pussy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, so I'm going to, I'm going to touch base on something and then we're going to tie it all in. It's just like, when we say that concept is, of, oh, you know, we say it all the time in this gym. Obviously it's one of our shirts, but when you say, oh, don't be a pussy, um, it's not necessarily, it's just a stupid term about like approaching your fears. And I think one of the scariest things I've done be start this seminar because man i'll be honest with you i fucking it's hard for me to take time to to uh, be schooled unless i really believe in something mm-hmm. and i'm sure you hear it all the time it's just it's hard to start something new i'm 33 years old so i'm going back to school it's easy when you're 18 because you're like well i'm 18 i don't know anything when you're 33 35 40 50 you're kind of like well what the fuck am i is left to learn and I think it doesn't have to, I think it transcends Miami. It's just, it takes that discipline, it takes that, that step mm-hmm. to go forward into these the seminars and the teachings we're having. But I hope that that, that concept in my mind, um, it starts to come together because that is the first stepping, the first step into learning this, which has been super hard for me. Because in this city, the first thing you want to do is is not admit that weakness, is not admit that oh well I need to slow down, mm-hmm. because slowing down is, it's such a weakness. It's such a like a why are you slowing down? We need to drive mm-hmm. forward constantly, and um, I I, I kind of want to bring this together in the concept of um, of it is what it is, and that and that thing. And I'm gonna ask you as a teacher, in the sense of you is. If I was going to, and I really need to say this because people are going to listen to this and they're going to, they're going to think of like, okay, 10 things 
how can I be the most mindfulness? Because mm -hmm. I, I can be the most mindful. That's what I did at first. If you're going to take three, five, or at least a handful of things for people to apply on their daily life, besides educating themselves, which I think is super important, if you're going to take at least a handful of things for people to do on a daily basis um, that can change your lives almost immediately, mm -hmm. I know meditating is one. Yeah. Um, can you can you give us a little bit of like at least a little bit a handful of that like how somebody can just listen to this for the first time that they're probably gonna be like fuck these guys and this hippie shit and blah mm -hmm. blah, mm -hmm. but that they can like adapt and pull into themselves and so they can feel what you and me have felt. Mm -hmm. you know? <clears throat> it's um, I would always recommend to anybody to start with um. It, you know, from read about it a little bit more, just, you know, what, you know, mindfulness is and what it means to be mindful, just to learn a little bit more on top of what we were able to talk about here. But a great start really is just getting an app or going on YouTube. Um, and I would always recommend to look up awareness of breath meditation, you know, because for, for mindfulness, it's, it's um, you know, we don't bring in and maybe later down the road, but it's it's not really about bringing in imagery or sounds and chanting, and it's not. It's it's really about being able to just tune into and be open to what's here right now. The breath is about as like focused as on one thing as we get, um, but usually a good just look up an AOB awareness of breath meditation, a short one, and I recommend everybody in general, you know, unless you're in like. And a class atmosphere. If you're doing it on your own, it's really good to start with short stuff. Um, little doses more frequently are going to be much better than the occasional big dose. If you tell me I'm going to do two minutes a day every day for the next month, or you're going to do a half hour a day once a week for the next month, yeah, I'm going to tell you do the two minutes half. a day yeah. for sure. 100% do that. I'd rather you do 30 seconds a day then just give me one 45-minute one every two weeks. Right. It doesn't equate. It's like catching up on sleep, right? Like it doesn't. It it's like doesn't getting one good hard workout in and then taking two weeks off yeah. and then doing another good hard workout, and then it doesn't work. But yeah. coming in the gym for 20 minutes a day, and you'll get something out of it, yeah. you know? That's, that's a really big first step. Um, so from the workshop, usually the two things I tell people is sit down for five minutes a day and just be no expectations no striving, no trying to relax, just sit and observe your breath. The second thing I tell people is um, once a day, try to catch yourself drifting, thinking about the future, thinking about the past, and just recognize that it happened and come back to the present moment. It's as simple as you were thinking about something that happened last night. You're thinking about an argument you had. You're thinking about what you're about to do when you get to the office. Recognize that it Okay, I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about the past. Okay, let me stop. Look at what's around me right now. And that's it. If you can start by doing that once a day, you're already on a pretty good yeah, path. Good okay, track. You get yourself to sit down for a couple minutes. You catch that once a day. Both of those things, if you just enter it with the intention of doing those two things, they will naturally start to grow. I don't even have to prescribe, per se, Okay, we're going to do that for this week, and then next week you're going to do two times a day. And then, no, because. Then you, there's like, oh, if I do 10, I'm going to be really, right, really good. Because you've already planted the seed in your mindset. I'm going to try to notice when that happens. Okay, I noticed. 
But every time you notice, noticing gets easier. So it's just going to happen on its own. Okay. Um, I would say those are the, the two best places to start. I did the, um, you, we didn't touch on that. I kind of interrupted you before, the mindful eating. Oh, man, this is a good one. Okay. Mindful eating is um, it's a really good practice. It does help to do it with somebody the first time. But, um, you know, so what mindful eating is in short is really diving into and paying attention to the food that you're consuming. What does it really look like? What does it smell like? But taking the time with every one of those things, taking 30 seconds to a minute to give each one of your senses full range to explore, even the senses that you don't think have anything to do with it. You know, we did, um, I mean, in the class we did it with the raisin, raisin which is a pretty yeah. common that practice. Pretty awesome. And it's, you know, the same things come up. I didn't know raisins had a sound. Nope. I didn't know, you know what I mean? It's, you go through this whole thing. It's, I've never, you know, first of all, shedding the idea that it's a raisin. Let me look at this thing as if I don't know what it is. How do I not know that this isn't a baby squirrel brain? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But notice that immediately your brain is like, okay, this is a raisin. Well, how do you know that? It was a baby squirrel brain. It was, it a, was a really weird brain. class. <laughs> and it's fucking great. You know? And how easy it is. I mean, you hear, you know, you tell people, okay, what does it feel like? And they tell you, well, it feels sweet. No, no, it doesn't. You're you you're projecting. You're putting. You know a you're sweet. judging. You're putting your own bias on. You know you're do and notice that your body wants to do that. It's trying to carry all of that previous baggage to this, but practicing seeing it new. You know, for me, I um. My first really good mindful eating experience was I make this um, like chili in a crock pot every week because it's I can make a big batch and bam there's my lunch every day and you know it has um quinoa and beans and vegetables and like just all this stuff in it so I was eating it and you know I'm I'm looking at it like I'm looking at that first spoon and like okay you know first thing was I didn't realize how many different colors there were and like okay all the chickpeas have opened up and shed their skin and all the you know I mean you start looking at it and then through the process, I started to really think about them like, man, you know, these, um, and I went and actually even ended up looking on the packages to validate. I'm like, well, these beans came from Colombia and these ones came from California and this beef stock came from here and this thing came from Canada and these vegetables were grown in Florida. Like I had like this global convergence on my spoon that I've never put any thought into how all that food ended up right here. You just take any one of those things. Just take the black beans, for example. That land that belongs to somebody, the people who planted that, the people who you took it from the land and then processed it and then packaged it and then put it in a box and then the person who drove it to wherever and then the person who put it on the shelf, and the so cashier who so scanned it. Cashier. And you go through this whole, like, how much work was involved in just the, the black bean to get it to my crock pot, much less the 12 other ingredients that were in the spoon at that given moment and the amount of appreciation you get for that, like how far removed we are from that's There was a point in time in the grand scheme of things, a blink away where if I wanted this, it would have been impossible. I would, there's no way I could have grown and cultivated and harvested yeah, all this stuff at once. You know, I it, feel like it's very important right, to, to interrupt you because I know what people are thinking right now. It's like, Oh, well, I don't have time for that. Yeah. But this is seconds. This is a minute. 
and then how it applies to everything else. Yeah. So in your homework, monumental. And your and your guys' home assignment, I said at the very least, do that for like one or two bites for the whole week. Just do it once. You're doing it all week. I said, okay, try to eat one mindful meal at the very least a couple bites this week. I'm not even saying every single day. But it's because these things, they they grow on their own. You do it and you start to realize, wow, this is... And there's there's huge benefits to mindful eating from health, you know, because you start paying more attention to the actual food that you're eating. Because that was a great experience. You know, it's organic and I bought it and I got some of it in the Redlands at the farms and blah, blah, blah. But if apply that to a McDonald's cheeseburger and then you start thinking about shit, where did this meat come from? Yeah. Fuck, this bread is practically canned. You know what I mean? You start breaking it down. And a lot of people um, actually express with, you know, whether it's with mindful eating that a lot of times they realize the things that they're eating on a regular basis actually don't even like them but they've never really paid attention to it before you know we had people bring up in the class without going into specifics that they started to realize that there's food that they've been eating every single day for a couple years and when they really paid attention to it they're like this food actually kind of grosses me out and i've never noticed that before it's just part of their day i was just it was just it was such a mindless activity that they didn't even have time to digest the fact that they don't even like what they're eating Mm. naturally um, you know, some there's definitely some people on the podcast that might not like this part. Naturally, you eat less, okay? Because when you slow down, one, we all know that if you eat a little bit slower, that signal from your stomach to your brain will actually tell you when you're full and you catch it before you've packed a whole bunch of other stuff on top of it. Um, but also, you start to feel the sedation, like when you're actually, okay, I'm, I'm satisfied right now satiation the nutrients that you're getting with the food this is what's keeping me alive all those things come into play um you know for me it's also had a big role on there's no way anything on my plate is being wasted when i'm actually paying attention because you're eating and then you know maybe my first couple bites are and then if i'm there for the end and you start to bring your plate back and there's food on there that you're about to throw away it's kind of like uh, especially if you thought about it like huh? you may scrape that even put it in like a little bowl in the fridge like okay i'm just i'll eat that in a little bit and i i, I really can't reiterate this so much because there's gonna so there was a, if you would have spoken to me i think if you would have met me five years ago and we talked about something like well this guy's fucking hippie bullshit like mm-hmm. i don't have fucking five minutes for this bull like mm-hmm. i'm on the go i'm fucking trying to be the strongest guy ever and i eat this much and i do this and i'm like just like the rest of this year has been, it's it's about taking time to do things you shouldn't do that makes you a much bigger person. And it's like being an athlete. It's really what you don't do that makes you a fucking athlete. It's about it's about taking that step back. Um, we're not. No one here is asking you to just fucking stop chasing your goals or stop doing what you need to do to get there. It's about being way more mindful and practical and uh, appreciative of the moments. That eight, you know, everyone can listen to a fucking ET speech and he's like, love the process. And everyone's like fucking blowing one out to it. I fucking love ET. I love the process. I'm like, yeah, but when's the last time you fucking, when's the last time you sat there and fucking enjoyed the process, right? When's the last time you looked at your chalked up hand, loading that plate up and being like, man, this might be the last time I ever do this. And you look at all those little parts of your skin that are chalked up and your fingertips are 
crusty and your hands are all bloodied up from lifting and you're kind of going like, because you're in the middle of a set and this, this plate, where did it come from? How are you in this gym? Like what, how did you get to this fucking moment that could be the last lift of your life, you know? Yeah. When's the last, and then you know what's going to happen when you lift? You're going to be a fucking monster about it because you took that one second, 30, maybe a minute, bro, really. We do more time eating shit or just, mm-hmm. you know, how many times do you take a break in between a set and just literally forget the five minutes you just did when you should be mindfully understanding what you're doing, how you're breathing, where's your body, mm-hmm. what's up in the sense of preparing yourself for that moment that is just coming up next. And, yeah, it's, and there's a balance, you know, you want, you want to be present enough to take these things into consideration but you know people oftentimes push too far mm-hmm. and then what it turns into is hyping and psyching themselves out you know what i mean because it's All it becomes too much i mean you see there are some some very good oh. lifters that um right up until they're the the next lifter you would have no idea that they were about to lift they're back there they're doing their own system. thing they're hanging out boom 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 you know all right michael one minute on the clock boom gone Face changes, boom. Now, everything they have is in that one moment. I'm here. I'm ready to go. I didn't burn all my mental energy running around pushing people out of the way for the last yeah. 10 minutes, slapping yes. my feet. You know what I mean? Yeah, going and fucking that, nuts 10 there, minutes before. That can work, but it's very easy to, to abuse that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, you see, I mean, some of the best guys, they're just, they're, they're a glass lake right up until that last minute. And then they call their name, and it's 50-foot swells, yeah. like, for the next 60 seconds. And then they do it, and, and they put it back, and then... And it's those guys, you know, there's, there's a truth to that because it's... So the class that you're in is, is MBSR, which is Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, which is really what we're talking about with, with all of this. And it's, it's not the getting stressed that's necessarily unhealthy for us. It's our inability to recover and bring ourselves back. Um, and it's, and you see that with some of those lifters too they can ramp it up right when they need it and then they can bring it back down when they have to and if they miss the lift okay I missed it let me not let that one screw up the next and they're one on to the next. because then you see it, that, that decision where okay I just, I just dumped 600 pounds they get so pissed off they go to the table and say 650 yeah. Took, oh yeah, that's a great Classic idea. Classic first year pilot. Great idea. You know yeah. what I mean? And it happens all the time. Because I got this, and the, the, but they're not. Correct. To trust the, yeah, and it's um. It, yeah, there was actually I'm trying to think. There was something I was going to say right before that, but it must not have been yeah, that like important. It's, it's very much like how they say, like in basketball, football, being very forgetful. Yes. Forget your last shot. Forget, exactly. A hundred percent makes and you you. And a lot of like let's let's just use football. A lot of good quarterbacks, you know, that's a very good quality to have. Mm-hmm. Is forgetting what happened the drive or play before, yeah. and going right into whatever you're going to do next, the next play, the next drive. Yeah, yeah, they bring it up all the time. With you know, you look at like uh, Peyton Manning. How often in his career he threw an interception? Once the guy was down, there was. There was no cussing. There was no. He went and he sat and he started looking at the things for the next drive. Okay, it's gone. It's done. Mm. Because if I dwell on this, it's just going to happen again. You know, and it's, you know, with sports, and I just kind of realize it now. So through my entire football career, I guess we'll call it, from Pop Warner all the way through college, 
I had no mindfulness wasn't even on my radar when I was in college. One of the most mindful two moments of my entire life happened in football when I was in college without it actually being an intention. And that was on the last game of my senior year, putting on my equipment and taking off my equipment. I don't remember one play from the entire game. I don't even know. I'm pretty sure we lost. But I don't remember any details. But I can remember so vividly buckling the the shoulder pads, the the snap, like the taking off and sitting there looking at it on the ground. I mean, at whatever, 20 years old, 21, I think I was, 22, I don't know. I mean, that had been a part of my life since I was a little kid. I mean, football season every year, I was playing football. And next year, football season was going to come around and I wasn't playing anymore. And... um, you know, taking it off and putting it down and, and sitting there looking at it, you know, I started crying. And then I remembered the year before seeing like all the seniors, like some of the baddest dudes I ever met in my life, like crying in their lockers when they're, and being like, dude, it's really not that it's big a deal. Pussy, like, you know yeah. what I, like, not like with huge judgment, just kind of being like, I couldn't see myself doing that. You know what I mean? But I can remember every detail of that, like every little thing. Yeah, the textures, the feels, the smells, like... Because I was there knowing I need to remember this because this is the last time this is going to happen. Um, but imagine if, imagine how much different life is if you're that present for more of it. You can't, you're not going to be present for everything. Yeah, like you said, not 24-7. But think, out of my whole football career, that's the memory that's the most vivid. And I have a couple other that are like 80% that vivid, but like a handful. The vast majority of my football playing career is kind of a blur. And the parts I do remember, are, they're probably altered and not really true anyway. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the time I won the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid Patriots. Yeah. The, time I, <laughs> the time I had 900 receiving yards in yeah. one game. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think that happened. I think people saw that. I don't know if you saw it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uncle Rico was the quarterback. Uncle Rico. <laughs> I bet I could throw this football over that mountain. <laughs> but, I mean, it's that ties into how important – it, you know, it is to, to make this part of our life. You know, so it's great for marketing to start talking about the mindful athlete, you know, the mindful whatever. You just attach it to stuff, okay? I'm the mindful athlete. I'm the mindful father. I'm the mindful CEO. I'm the mindful whatever. From a marketing standpoint, great, because you're an athlete, you're a CEO, whatever. You hear that, and you're like, that's for me. That's me, yeah. It's all the same. And it's not going to work. If you want to be the mindful athlete, that's great. But it doesn't come from being mindful in the gym. It comes from this practice all the time. That's the only way that it works. You can't turn it on and off. It's either constant. It's either a constant intention or it's not an intention at all. You know, our one of my coaches used to tell us, and it, it kind of made sense at the time, but it makes a lot more sense now. You know, it was always, gentlemen, if you want to play well on Saturday, do everything right during the week. And I don't mean show up and practice well. I mean, get up on time, be at every one of your classes, do all the work you're supposed to do, eat all your meals, go to the training room, be nice to the people around you, do all of those things. Because all of the discipline 
and focus and attention that's going to make you perform well on Saturday is a lifestyle. Okay, you can turn on the aggression and the intensity, but that core of who you are, of what makes you, what's going to make you do the right thing in the game, even when it, your brain's telling you it might not be the right thing. Okay, when are you going to stick to your block? When are you going to follow through the play? When can everybody account for you? Well, you set the tone for that with the six days leading up to today. And if you were not going to class, slacking off, if you were doing all of that shit, come Saturday, guess what? Sometimes you're gonna you're gonna freestyle a little bit and you're gonna blow up for everybody else. You know? It's just like this. If you wanna be a mindful CEO and a mindful athlete and a mindful father and a mindful husband or wife or you know, whatever it is, you're you're everything. It's an application to your life. It's not it's, it's not role-specific, okay? Um, and I think that's the real takeaway because a lot of people, you know, maybe in this, they're going to want to listen to this and be like, all right, tomorrow when I go to the gym, I'm going to be more mindful. For that. Ten- Which will like, be great uh, yeah. because maybe, especially in the beginning, like I said, I want you to be mindful for like one moment and maybe a five-minute meditation. Mm-hmm. Maybe for now that happens in the gym. But when you really want to start getting the full benefit, it has to extend beyond that, okay? Um, it's 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 life. Yeah, and I, you know what? Like, I think honestly, I think that's a, I think that's a really good point to end it, and not because I want to end this. I really feel like I can be here like five hours. That's it's we typically here a, a lunch time. break. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, we're gonna meet you at eleven thirty. It's one thirty. I'm like fuck, we gotta go. You know, yeah. but um, honestly, if, if you're listening right now, first of all, rewind the last about fucking forever. But seriously, yeah. yeah. I want you guys to really hear that out. Um, there is a, a vast mo- like variety of things that are going on here, but I mean, from here is uh, don't forget to catch like the three things you should be doing. Especially the top two is about like twenty minutes ago. Um, this is a practice. This is a discipline. This is a, a way of being. As many times as you can, and I'm, I was just correcting myself because I was about to say all the time, mm-hmm. but. As many times as you can, as many times as it makes sense if you're being purposeful. And I think the word purposeful and with intent, how many times have we said that the last few episodes? And if you come to this gym, how many times have we said that? Have intent, have purpose. And some people will say, well, it's easier said than done. Well, it will be a lot easier if you do it more. And that's kind of the whole purpose of this whole... That's why I really fucking wanted to have Lucas on here because... I mean, coming from a business standpoint, fatherhood, coach, uh, athlete, and playing when he was his youth, is that this transcends, as we always talk about when we talk about this, that what we talk about transcends sports. It is a lifestyle. And that's why I hate the fact when people just say, oh, I'm an athlete. I'm like, well, it must be really cool to be an athlete two, two hours a day when the best of the best are an athlete since they were kids. They have that mentality and they try their best to be fulfilled by these purposes. Mm-hmm. And just the last 10 minutes of conversation have been really, really great. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really cut it off soon. I'm going to make sure that Lucas plugs in um, himself, his, his contacts, before, we, before mm-hmm. I close it up. Because I'm telling you right now, it, mindfulness is catching up right now. It's like keto, bleh, which is really getting everybody. It's like a cult right now, and I hate that I'm on keto too. But at the same time, it's one of these things that are happening. But 
make sure that you're listening to guys that have been in the trenches, guys and girls that have been in the trenches for quite a while, putting in the time, um, putting in the effort to do this on a day-to-day basis. So, Lucas, if you don't mind, can we get some couple hits where we can contact you sure. or see you grow? Um, so the website is rebelmindfulness.com. The Instagram is at rebelmindfulness. My personal Instagram is at lucas.g.irwin, I-R-W-I-N. Um, just if, if you guys are in Miami, um, I do workshops. Um, I do the eight-week MBSR course. Those things will be listed on the website. I put them on social media. Um, I'll be teaching an MBSR course in January for University of Miami. Um, they have a very good um, whole mindfulness department at University of Miami with some of um, with some really incredible people. Um, we're very fortunate that we have a university that's that involved, like right here, which is why surprisingly there's actually a pretty good legitimate mindfulness community in Miami. I mean, you wouldn't know by the UM fans, but uh, <laughs> go on. Sorry. Um, yeah, good. <laughs> and go then um, the video you guys mentioned, it's on the website, or you could just YouTube um, Rebel Mindfulness Take Control. Um, yeah, it's if you guys want to give that a look and a share, that'd be that'd be huge for <laughs> no me. Problem. So no problem. A lot, a lot of work went into that video. Yeah, so. <laughs> seriously. So, I mean, guys, visit www.rebelmindfulness.com. When we post this, when I post this on Instagram, um, first of all, thanks for coming on here, Lucas. I know that uh, you really take time on your weekends to enjoy your time. So hey, it's cool that you sat down with all of us here, and I hope that we got a fucking ton of good value. And if and if anything that we should come out of this is with to is to learn to apply yeah. some of the things we're learning, and that sometimes what you think is enough is is okay. It's okay to say that's enough. It's okay to keep striving for something more. Uh, it's sometimes okay, and there's that gray area that I have. A, I think most people who blind themselves with ambition, and I'm going to say this on a personal level, that constantly doing more and more and more is somehow better, and that it's somehow fulfilling, when in essence, if I'm not putting practice into the process of being ambitious or the process of growing, and I'm really just kind of a phony in that sense. And I need to kind of just start understanding that being who I am and wanting what I want is very important. But understanding that growth there is very good. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say that um, this has been a really fucking, like all podcasts at the Battle Axe Gym has been really fucking badass. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a couple of things. Um, quality over quantity. And these are things that we've talked about this. I've written down in my notes that look like chicken scratch. But quality over, over quantity. Um, it takes time. Catch yourself. And that sometimes it is what it is. But if you want it to be that way, it takes discipline to be there. I'm your host, MDLP. This is the Battle Axe Gym reminding you, don't be a pussy. Everything ends. <laughs>